0: Hey everybody, how's it going? Can everybody see me? Okay. Let's see. Sorry, I gotta shut off my phone. I usually do that, but uh, unfortunately, I was on a conference call. So uh, everybody's Friday. How's everybody's doing? Hey, RNA Music. I just watched your Q and A. Like about. 30, 40 minutes ago. It was a great Q A. It was the Chapman and the... Um, uh, and we took talked about Heritage Guitars. and It was a great Q&A. If you guys want to check out uh, Ryan's uh, Q&A, it's great. It's on... It's uh, RNA Music. It's a great uh, Q&A. They do it every week as well. And uh, it's real down home and kind of cool. Just like this, laid back. A little information for you. Um, him and his wife own a store in Texas. Uh, Robert Baker is going to do a clinic there uh, with Acacia Guitars soon. Um... You know, Ryan, if you put it in the comments, I'll tell everybody the date. Now, actually, you know what I'll do? I'll also make sure it's, uh, I put it in the comments of this of this this commentary when I do the index. So I'll make sure everybody knows that as well. Um, Clint says, hey, finally made it to a live show. I'm glad, Clint. That's awesome. I love, uh, you know, kind of like hanging out on Friday, kind of ending the week and uh, seeing what's, what's going on with everybody and talking about some gear and music. Um, and uh, let's see. Oh, uh, Andy's from San Diego. He says, hey, what's up? San Diego's awesome. I would wish I was... Oh, the weather here is awesome anyways. I think it's like 85, which for Arizona is fantastic. It's uh, 85 here is like 75 somewhere else. Just feels a little cooler because it's dry. So there you go. And um, let's see. Letting everybody just kind of sign on and get into the... To the live QA before we start hitting the questions. Uh, no, November 11th. So, RNA Music's uh, uh, clinic with uh, Keisha Guitars and, R- and Robert Baker is November uh, November Beard. November Beard. I have no beard. November Beard, 11th. So, November 11th. So, uh, oh, Quicksilver is asking if that's an Eastwood. No, it's not. It's a Gretsch uh, Streamliner over in the corner, right there. You know, there, right there. Yeah, that's my uh, Gretsch Streamliner, which I love a whole lot. So we'll start hitting some questions. I just want to talk real quick. I start in every show with the uh, the um, the Patreon um, sponsors. So let's go to that. Uh, this show is going to be sponsored by Dave Madison, Justin Maybe, Michael Shy, Bradulist, John Jax, and Lawrence Petros from uh, LPD Pedals. Everybody kind of knows LPD Pedals. They know I'm a diehard 68 Drive fan, and uh, he uh, he also decided to sponsor the uh, live show with the other patrons, and I, I really appreciate that. Uh, it it, it kind of helps some of the costs and stuff. As you can see, we're improving the show. You see those little screenshots and stuff and doing some stuff. Um, I'm going to be adding a second camera angle soon, too, uh, for so if I have an instrument and stuff. and we'll, we'll see how it goes. And a special guest coming, too, which is really cool. So... Uh, Okay, let's go with the first one because I'm excited about this. Hey, Phil, what do you think of the TC Electric Mojo? Mojo. You know, I heard it's Paul Gilbert's favorite overdrive pedal, and I wasn't thinking in a million years. When I did the TC Tone Print, If um, you guys know, I did a TC Tone Print with the uh, Nerd Whammy uh, pedal, and, uh, or the Quintensis, uh, and I did the me. they sent me one, and so one to give away. The one I'm showing you, the reason I'm showing it to you, is I'm going to be giving that pedal away. Uh, when, I, when the review pops in about a week, uh, if you watch the review, um, this is for you guys important, I'm going to do something, I don't think anyone's ever done this on YouTube. When I release that, so this is just for you guys uh, that watch these live shows on the rebroadcast, when I do that review, I'm probably going to give it away within hours of the video launching. Um, so I'm probably gonna set a number and say when it gets that many views, just we'll do the giveaway. I'll, I'll, I'll pull everybody out, print everybody's names and do a dra- drawing right away. So we're gonna give that pedal away. It'll be the pedal that I use in the video. So that will be the nerd whammy uh, that, <laughs> that, that I wrote on there with Sharpie. <laughs> <laughs> that will be on there. Um, I'll probably give you guys an option because they gave me, uh, you know, one to give away. You guys, I probably, will, if you guys want the one that I didn't write on and wasn't wasn't used in the re- in the review, you can have that one. But you'll have a choice. Um, but to answer your question, they gave me a few pedals too. They gave me a sub and up. They gave me uh, the uh, version two of the Hall of Fame and the uh, the uh, the Flashback. They gave me the Dark Matter and they gave me. Oh, well, that's it. It was like five pedals. But uh, I should have asked for a Mojo Mojo. I don't know why I didn't. So I'm probably just going to buy one. They're 50 bucks new. Uh, somebody said the, uh, you can find them used for 25 bucks. So, so there you go. Uh, Medicated One says, can't stay long. Band practice tonight. Awesome. Uh, and without YouTube, I probably wouldn't be in a band. Oh, so thanks. Oh, it, that's awesome. Uh, that's great. You know, uh, I love YouTube. I, I think I was just telling somebody the other day. I learned how to uh, fix my something on my pool from YouTube. I love that you can find stuff and get information now. So let's get in some more questions. Um, try not to say um so much when I'm filtering questions. Let's see. Uh... Okay, it says, you should give away everything they give you to remain unbiased. Well, Rob, I would, except for, you know, I did that tone print. That's that's not free. You know, I mean, I know that sounds silly, and please guys don't take, take this wrong, but um, I consult for a living. Uh, to do what I did with uh, TC, I would usually charge... A good penny to sit with a company and, and and do that stuff now i understand i did it for gitcon but that was kind of what gitcon's about right we went and shared our resources um you know i've had my hand in a lot of products over the years especially in the last year even more so um youtube of course put me more on the radar with a lot of companies so i've i've sit. that's what i said i was just doing a conference call just now that's exactly what that is i'm helping a company uh with a, a new line of import pedals um so yeah i mean i understand what you're saying but I like TC, so I am biased because they were really cool guys. I, um, I'll i tell you guys a funny story. So they asked me to do the tone print, and uh, they sent me an email before we went to GitCon. They said, hey, you should do the tone print. And I told my buddies, I said I wasn't going to do the tone print. I wasn't sure. I said it just felt weird. No one's really going to care. I feel weird because I'm not really a guitar player. I'm a, uh, you know, gear channel. I don't understand the logic And uh, I was supposed to meet with him on Wednesday at GitCon and I got really busy and I was like, you know, I just don't feel I wasn't I wasn't there yet. You know, I wasn't thinking this is going to be a good idea. And believe it or not, I didn't do it on Wednesday. So Thursday morning at breakfast, I was talking to Pete Thorne and he said, hey, I did my tone print. Did you do yours? And I said, no, I decided I, I, I just didn't have time. So I skipped it. And Pete goes, well, it was awesome. You should have done one. I said, you know, no one's going to care if I do a tone print. You know, you make sense. Phil X makes sense. You know, uh, Tyler Larson makes sense. You guys are phenomenal guitar players, of course. Have you guys do some cool tone prints, but nobody cares. And, and Pete Thorne basically said, really? You know, it's really fun. And, you know, you have a lot of gear knowledge. Why don't you use your gear knowledge? So that afternoon, um, when I was walking around, they walked up to me and they said, hey, we'd really like you to do it. We'll make an appointment on Friday morning. And when they gave me the second chance to do it, I sat on Thursday in the hotel room, I sat up for about 2-3 hours coming up with ideas, and then I came up with the idea that the new quintence- Quintessence pedal, I, I'm like, what if we use it as a pitch modulation bending pedal? Especially since I like the uh, Pitchfork by Electroharmonics harmonics. but it colors my tone because it's not True Bypass. And I know Digitech has one, but um, it just wasn't what I liked. I liked the Pitchfork. So, I thought if I could have the perfect world, I would do this. So I kind of did that. But I am biased now with TC. So, and I plan to say that in my videos, too. They were nice to me. Um, it's hard not to build a relationship with companies. Just like Lawrence Petros of his pedals. I love his pedals. And then we became friends. I don't think that really is a bad way to do it. I, it's different if you're taking their money. I haven't taken anybody's money yet. So we'll, we'll see if I'm giving kudos to people for their check. Uh, but right now, I'm just good for the, how they treat me. If they treat me nice, I can't help but like them. OK, so uh, the next one is Purple Dragon says, hey, Phil, I want to know your thoughts on the Line 6 with their Variax and H, the HDP 500X combo. Um, I've tried that before. You know, When it first came out, you know, I got a demonstration of it by Line 6, and uh, I messed with it. I have friends that swear by it. They love it. And I think it's really cool. It's just and I'm, that's where my geekness kind of drops off a little bit is the technical programming side uh, of processors and stuff. But I love the way they sound, and I think the the product itself has merit. I'm just not really into it myself. Now the Variax guitar by itself, just being a, 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 a you know, to use it to different do different tunings and different guitars, I think that's cool. In fact, I think their acoustic sound on their guitars sound better than most piezo systems, piezo, Biazio, however you want to say that out there in the world. Uh, I feel like every time I say it, you guys correct me. So I said all three. Anyways, um, so I like their. Uh, the kind of synthetic acoustic sound better than just using a uh, a you know transducer type bridge. Uh Ben Author guitar says, "Have you tried the have you played the new Friedman pedals Dirty Shirley and Buxom Betty?" Um no, is the Buxom Betty the Buxom Boost? Is that the same thing? That's got to be the same thing. I I want to buy them. I uh, I'm not going to lie. I I'm they're really they really um I really want them. I played the Dirty Shirley and um, I was on the fence because uh, I, I, you know, obviously I've been on Dave Freeman's show. So I, I met him there and I thought about just reaching out to him and seeing if he'll give me a special price or something. But I, I think I'm just going to buy him from Sweetwater and call it a day. Um, so, yeah, I would be shocked if I don't, you don't see that pedal. I want to get the Dirty Shirley and then do a video a being and against the the B-O-D. That's what I want to do. But Dave Freeman said when he was doing a uh, the live show with X, he said the buxom boost, the buxom Betty, uh, can make any amp sound fantastic. And he seemed really convinced when he was talking about that. It wasn't just like the hype talk. It was you could tell he had a passion for it. And when I find builders say something, you know, like that's their favorite thing, I find a lot of times it's probably going to be a little, a little cool, a little extra kind of magic to it. So we'll see. Um, but you know, that's almost four hundred dollars in pedals, so it's got to it, got to work it in the budget. I've been. Uh, oh, you can see I've really downsized a lot of amps. <laughs> I told you guys I was downsizing some stuff. Um, so I'm trying, uh, you know, I'll try and put that in the budget. Let's see. Um, let's see. It says, hello, Phil. I know you have spoken a little in the past about Harley Benton. Do you have any experience with her top uh, P90 Les Paul inspired model? I don't. All I know about is Harley Benton is what I picked up at GitCon and, um, at GitCon, I uh, I was actually doing so much stuff and I was excited about everything. I really didn't spend a whole lot of time schmoozing with the companies. Maybe that was my biggest mistake. Um, now that I've interacted with a lot of the YouTubers post GitCon, I realized that they had built a lot more relationships than I did. I'm not really a schmoozer. I don't really do that really well. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in the, the uh, you know, I, I have I have appreciation for people who can go up and talk to people. Um, and um, so I didn't really do that so they, I didn't like tell them hey yeah send me a couple and I'll review them I didn't really talk to them at all in fact all I talked to when I talked to the Tom, Toman guys I just told them they were fantastic and then I walked away it, I, my brain doesn't click to go this is a good opportunity for you to go hey plus I do, it does, I do forget a lot that maybe because I'm a YouTube review type channel maybe I should be talking to companies about reviewing product It does. But mainly that is I think it's because if you really pay attention to my channel, and those of you guys who really really follow it and and I really appreciate that may know this. I was talking to a pedal company the other day and they were saying, you know, well you're a pedal review channel. I said, well it's October of 2017. In the year of October, 10 months in I've done 6 pedal reviews. I don't even do one a month. Um, I own a lot of pedals, I just don't review a whole lot of pedals. So I don't actually review as much gear as people think I do. Um, This year, um I'll tell you, I do the end of the year the top 10 pieces of gear I review for the year I think we're figuring out I barely reviewed 10 pieces of gear this year because what looks like reviews is really just me talking about gear and how to use it Uh, Jared Briggs says I'm sure Glenn Fricker doesn't agree with you on the Line 6 comments you know what, I don't think he hates everything about uh, Line 6, I just think he hates the cheap stuff and that's okay. That, that, it's a perceptionary thing. His perception is he's in the studio. So to him, it's... Yeah, think of this. As a repair person, there's certain guitars that I'm just not and excited about. I'm not, I'm not happy with them. Because they. they to me, these bring up all these memories of all the times I've fought with them. Uh, you know, I like Epiphone guitars. I really preach them for the most part. But to be honest with you, some of the worst guitars I've ever worked on have been Epiphone guitars because sometimes they just let stuff get through QC really bad and same with Dean guitars. But I would never go out there and say all Epiphones or all Deans are bad because like I said, they make a lot of good guitars, but, but, uh, some of the, you know, when I charge for a setup, you know, you charge a setup up a guitar, a crown level guitar, or whatever you end up doing, you have a certain time frame. I've spent two days on an Epiphone once just to make a customer happy. And there's no way mathematically that makes any sense. That's two days of labor for an hour and a half cost. So... So sometimes you know you get the idea, and I'm sure he's got the same stories about recording Line Six stuff. Gear, you know, bands come in with a Line Six amp, and he's like, "Ah, I'm going to have to reamp this thing six different ways." Uh, Nick says, "I just got a TC Quintessence, and uh, your tone print is really great. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it." You know, and so you know, I, didn't, I, I when I was talking about that earlier, um, Pete Thorne kind of inspired that too. Like I said, he really inspired that out of me talking to him at, at breakfast. Um, you know, because when he said, "You know, why don't you do something different?" I was like, yeah, and it was really nice. The TC guys uh, tour at TC, they're fantastic guys, super nice. And um, one of of the things he told me, which was really great, was he said I was one of the first people they worked with that said, yeah, I want to take one of your pedals and make it do something else. (laughs) And and he said that was kind of fun. And he admitted, he said, you know, that basically what I said, they're used to working with musicians and not gear people. And he said, he told me I had a different vibe uh, to the way we interacted. And I said, yeah, um, so I and I thought it was cool. Uh, Hosa, hey, Hosea, um, it says uh, people feel like it's bad for YouTubers to have relationship with companies. So long as the relationship isn't meant to negatively hurt the consumer, it can actually be uh, symbiotic and beneficial. I agree. Basically, uh, what I feel is, is about disclosure, transparency. The whole point of social media is that we're interacting. Like today, I'm reading your questions and I'm answering your questions. I don't get time to Google, Wikipedia, what, you know, what I'm responding to. All my responses to all these 38 uh, one-hour long QAs, as you can tell, are just literally off the top of my head. So that's a lot of pressure, whether it doesn't look like it or not. You guys ask me questions from repairs to the industry to pedals. I mean, you're all over the place. And so I have to really pull from, from all of my... My my years of experience, uh, and then when I don't have that experience, I have to you know kind of cow and and, and t- you know cater to. I, I'm sorry, I don't know, but um, when it comes to co- companies, I think it's just about disclosure. You know what I mean? I just I just don't want you to 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 say something to you and not realize I have a relationship with a company. So I think the relationship is fine as long as it's on the up and up. And let's see. Okay, next question i love these new questions you guys by the way i feel like the questions have been a lot better recently um i think everybody's really diving in and getting great questions so i, I really appreciate that there is what hold oh, on. oh okay great question uh composer dave 68 says what should someone look for when buying an earphone uh to tell if it's one of the bad ones so historically, there's a bunch of stuff you can do when you use the guitars. But with Epiphone, since I kind of opened that can up, I'll, I'll tell you, one of the big issues with Epiphones have always been, and guitars in that price range are frets, bad frets, lifted frets. Um, because they don't dry the wood properly, you know, and when the wood's just wet, <laughs> when they're cutting it and making it, it'll continue to shrink. And when it shrinks, it pulls away from those frets. And we all know what fret sprout is. That's where the frets kind of, they look like they popped out, but really the fretboard shrunk in and then the frets are sticking out that's one but that 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 is obvious you can feel that on the sides what also happens is the frets left Lift out of the wood, and so that's a little bit more tricky because even though it's easy to file off the ends of a fret, when the frets are high or low, um, you can crown them and level them. That's fine, but if the frets have lifted out of the wood, we have to reseat them. And there's a bunch of different techniques for that. One of the most common, of course, is to pull the fret and reset, seat a new fret. Or if it's, uh, you could tap it with a hammer and hope it bites in. You can see if that helps. That helps a lot of times as well. We use a fret hammer, something with a soft brass end. Um, and there's also a, a like. Type like a hard plastic fret hammer that I've used, um, but uh, and sometimes you can use super glue. You know what I mean, and and inject it in with these syringes uh, and. You put that in there and then kind of press it with a fret press. And I've done that as well. And that's worked for me in the past. Especially when you have to understand one thing about repairs I don't think people will ever understand is when you're talking to repair people, you always have to remember there's different levels of repair people. When I talk to people who repair high-end guitars and they go, you know, that's not the correct way to do it. Well, when you have a $99 guitar brought in from somebody who's learning guitar and they got it at Christmas and their investment's done and they can't invest $400 to have this guitar fixed right. You have to learn techniques and how to fix a guitar for $30 to $50 just to make this guitar playable. So uh, when it comes to Epiphones, those are the things you're trying to avoid because not every person has the attitude I have. Some people, just when you go in a shop, they have a one-stop shop pricing. You know? So you buy a guitar for $150 and they want $500 to fix it. So, uh, so what I would do is pay attention to frets on Epiphones. That is the biggest thing. And how do you do that? It's simple. First, do a visual inspection. And then after that, I would always get a fret rocker. Uh, They're very easy to get. Um, Just Google it. We'll put it in the link down below. I'll put a link for the one I like, Fret Rocker. I think everybody should have one. It's a great way. If not, I have a video uh, out there somewhere. Uh, Maybe I'll put that link where I show you how to use a credit card. You can use a credit card to find a high fret. It's not as perfect, but it will generally get you there. And that's important too because it'll save you some money. So, uh... Guys, I love it. You guys are talking to each other, which is awesome. But sometimes it trips me up. So I gotta let's see. Phil, did you get to try all the new Dane Electro pedals or just the pride of Texas? Uh Chuck Dickens. No, the Dane Electro guys, they're they're the I think I've said this before. They're just crazy cool. That stuff just shows up. I've I've never physically talked to anyone at Dane Electro, just verbally. It's all been this just email email communication. Um and when I got back from GitCon, I have the new one. It's behind me. It's the, uh, the big spender and I didn't review it. Um, I, cause I just, I was busy. I've had some stuff going on. So I, uh, got a chance to try it one night, barely. And then they said the battery thing. And I did the battery video today because I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, because that sound, it was so weird when I was like looking at this. Um, I was like, you know, what is this battery stuff about? So I wanted to check that out. I was more curious about that. So I, I plan to do that. I, I so I've, I've gotten two of, I think there's four or five. So it's been cool. They've been kind of piecemealing them out to me. Um, so there you go. And then also, so you know, they actually used one of my quotes in one of their ads, which I thought was really cool too. That really like felt pretty cool. Okay, so Pablo says, Hey, Phil, why are your guitars hanging on your wall? Question mark. Okay. Is it just to look cool? Question mark. I've read that it's not good. Uh, as all the tension goes to the headstock. Thanks. Uh, greetings from Peru. Okay. Um, well, one, it's still look cool. No, he, I, I mean, I like hanging them on the wall. Um, to me, no, I think they're safer on the wall. I mean, you can't put them in cases all the time. It's tough, right? If you put them in cases all the time, it's a process to get them out. You're gonna play, you know, you're gonna play what's available to you. It's just human nature to take the path of least resistance. Uh, I have never had. I always go to what I've experienced in my life. I have never had an issue with guitar hanging the wall, other than. Lacquer guitars can get lacquer burns from from uh, from wall hangers, and from wall hangers, I only use string swing. That's it. I don't use anyone else. I have no exceptions to that rule. Uh, there is just to me. I've tried a bunch of them, and I'm string swing all the way. They are great. And by the way, there was a big article about them. They have a knockoff company on Amazon knocking them off, and so if you buy uh, string swing on Amazon. Uh, make sure you're buying the legit stuff. It's branded correctly. It's made in the USA. It's built forever. Amazing. Um, and even with lacquer, sometimes you may want to put a cloth over that because lacquer burns are where basically the rubber of a guitar stand or a wall hanger uh, stops oxygen from getting to the lacquer and it becomes super because there's no oxygen hitting it and it burns. It looks like somebody put a cigarette out in, on your headstock. And uh, so that that's you know, it gives you the Eddie Van Halen look. So uh, to answer your question, I think they're totally safe on the wall. Based on my experience, I obviously have some very nice guitars. I've had them on the walls for many, many years. I've never had a problem and I am very, uh, I don't, I don't have any kind of special humidification or anything going on in my rooms. Uh, I'm I'm very aggressive when it comes to my guitars and, and how I treat them and the idea that I don't baby them. So, so there you go. Your mileage may vary, so to speak with that statement being said. Then next we're going to go to I bought a brand new Epi 339. This is from uh RLTA4. Uh ES3 our Epi. So we got the Epiphone 339 a few years ago and the truss rod was seized and would not turn. You know what's funny? I had an ES339 Epiphone version as well in the shop to work on and it had the same issue. Uh, I could not turn the truss rod. It was cracking and popping. It was it was horrific and the customer was standing in front of me when I was doing it, but you have no choice. I mean, it's, you know, you, you got to turn it um and it says uh the rod was seized it would not turn luckily i found it right away found out right away and returned it uh for a different one same thing happened with my customer um basically it was seized up and they were able to take it back to the guitar center where they got it and get it get it taken care of so yeah i had it was funny that it was a 339 same issue and that was probably about five six years ago but yeah same issue um, it's, it's it has nothing to do with Epiphone. I don't want to get on a, a brand smash thing. It, it's really just brands in general have this issue. Price low price point guitars are just going to have more seepage of bad product through the through the QA lines. Let's see, uh, Richard. Faro says, "Hey Phil, have you tried the Yamaha Pacific series? Pacifica series? I'm thinking about buying a 311H model. I have tried them over the years, uh, and I, I not recently, but I've always liked them based on their reputation and what I've come across. They're they're good guitars, but I, I just don't have a specific. You know, I can't tell you specifically. Recently, I've tried it." See. Okay, it says Phil, with all the four companies having some trouble, some form of trouble, like Fender, Gibson, P V and Marshall, what upcoming from companies do you see filing those Oh, okay, so what companies do... Okay, I want to say... Thanks, Metalhead Hippie. It says, Phil, with all four companies... In other words, what he's saying is Fender, Gibson, Peavy, and Marshall all seem to be saying some kind of distress. I haven't heard a whole lot about Marshall having issues, but I I don't doubt it. What companies do you see filling those voids and taking their spot? Well, interestingly enough, uh, you know, I think Friedman... Is has been coming after Marshall for a while, a while. Now, my guess is they're probably not nearly as large as Marshall, because Marshall is a large, large company of amp builders, comparatively to Friedman. But I think Friedman's been taking their their market, success, mar, their market successfully. I honestly will say this, and I mean no disrespect to Friedman, because I own two of them, and I really like them. Um, I own Friedman's because Marshall doesn't make a product that I wanted. They don't make a 25-watt uh, Marshall type amplifier that I I had the I had the 2061 and it was two thousand dollars and it had you know no no dirt channel and you turned it up I was looking for a JCM800 or a Plexi style uh, amp and Marshall doesn't do that so when a company sees what you're talking about that these companies are missing uh, competitors now Fender as far as I know is not in any kind of distress my understanding is and th- things can always change but my understanding is Fender's is, Fender's got Big deep pockets behind them now. The company that basically ba- bought the the majority of Fender's debt a few years back owns Ducati, J. Crew, Neiman Marcus. They're a big deep pockets company. Uh, so that is that is probably going to keep Fender and, and and Fender is by far the dominant branding image. So Fender, I don't see going anywhere ever. Gibson and PV Marshall, they might be different in the idea that they might have to change ownerships. Uh, Peavy. Who knows i don't know what will ever happen PV. who knows it may be fine um pb's got a separate issue too you know you gotta understand the, the main ownership of PV is he you know Hartley's gonna retire eventually so uh but filling those voids i think what you see is what you probably will see is what you see in the rest of the world look at guitar look at guitar magazines as they've kind of shrank you see all these youtube channels pop up and that's a new resource so i think that's Happening everywhere, bands too. Instead of having, you know, 50 mega bands and they're all huge playing Coliseums, you just have hundreds of smaller bands. So I think what's going to happen is no one company is going to take Marshall or Peavy or Gibson or Fender, anyone. It'll be multiples. So, like Peavy, instead of a company taking Peavy's market, you might see Blackstar and, you know, and Vox and, uh, you know, and, uh, who else you know i don't want to say line six because they're crazy but you understand what i mean just a bunch of companies taking companies and say and fender same thing if fender was ever to go to the wayside it would be just because a pile a dog pile of companies came on like sir to uh to uh you know everybody else that's got a fender type product so same with gibson gibson will eventually get toppled by uh, you know prs companies and heritage and uh framis and uh, nags and everybody else it'll be just a, a that's what happens um and that's happening a lot in a lot of industries now. It's a real big common thing to see a lot of small companies just take little pieces from big companies, and then they don't they don't survive as much. Uh, let's see. Raymond says impulse response cab simulator pedals. Uh, you know, all I, I only two I've been looking at for myself have been two notes and the uh, what is it? It's the Ox. Universal Audio Ox, but that doesn't come out until December. But those are the two two units I've been looking at for that kind of thing. Two Notes kind of has it cinched up. They're pretty much the go-to company for that. And everyone I know uses Two Notes. So I've just been trying to figure out what Two Notes fit fit for what I'm trying to do. Uh, D-Rock says, Phil, do you know why my 1993 Squire Telly has a Fender logo? Yeah, it probably has a Fender logo because Squire was originally a string brand that Fender acquired. And, uh, they started, uh, they, they, they messed with it. The, in, the way Squire is now the incarnation of where it is now, it, it's not, it, it wasn't supposed to be a brand or at least, you know, maybe they intentionally started to do that, but it wasn't a brand at first. It was like a series from Fender. So it would be a Fender Squire series. Does that make sense? Um, try to think of an example. You know, a good example of that would be uh, like Line 6 Bogner. You know what I mean? It was, It's a series. It's not another brand um, in that. So they were... So that's what they were doing. It was they were they were calling it a series. So eventually, Squire became its own brand. So that's why it had, uh, originally all the the Squire stuff had Fender and then Squire underneath. And then of course later it was turned to Squire by Fender, so it changed. And there's probably some more history behind that, but that's just a real quick snapshot of of why you're seeing what you're seeing. Um. Somebody says, hey, Phil, which is better, an AR-15 with pump firestock or an M16 uh, or a Fender amp? Uh, I'm going to say a Fender amp, although, you know, I use an M16 in the Army, but that's the last time. Well, that's not the last time I touch one, but you get the idea. Um... Ed Bailey, how do you, Phil, how do you tell when a built-in preamp has gone bad? Well, there's there's two ways. First, it'll start crackling and acting up, but mostly they just go dead. They're notoriously just, you know, they go dead. They're very cheap, and uh, built-in preamps and acoustics are very, very cheap. Uh, but the first thing they do is they start crackling really bad because they get dirty. So it's important to keep them clean. You can use contact cleaner and stuff like that. I use Deoxit. In PC boards, stuff like that, I'm just real sparing with it. Go in there maybe with a... This Q-tip or something light, and just clean it all out. Uh. Okay. Okay, Shaman Blues. Hey, Shaman, what's up? Phil, what guitar are you glad to have because it's different tone-wise? Oh, that's a great question. See, I told you guys. You guys, are getting fantastic with this stuff. Um, you know. Uh, Because it's different, right? So I'm going to say, for the sake of this argument, what guitar am I glad to have because it's different tone-wise? I'm going to say then Strats and and Les Pauls. What guitar do I have that I think is... uh, It's probably the new Framus. You know what? It's probably a toss-up between the 68, uh, Dane Electro, and the Framus. Those are my two unique most unique sounding guitars from the, the pile so every guitar i have is some kind of variation i think of a les paul all my prs's are kind of Les paul Stratty mixes and strats are strats and Ibanezes are you know kind of like oops like a same thing a humbucker version of a strat but the uh, that 68 uh dane electro and that framis you can both see them in the shot on each side of me those i was playing those yesterday all day and they are definitely the most unique sounding guitars i have i, I it's really hard to say what they sound like they they kind of sound like themselves Oh, uh, here's a good one. Uh, BC Rich 581 says, "Do you think Electro has too many lines of overdrive pedals, and and the like?" In right, okay. So you're asking. Okay, so you're asking. Are they undermining their own market? Um, I don't know. You know, it's weird how many pedals they keep making. They just keep making pedals, and uh, but. You know their pedals are reasonably priced and it's good stuff. I mean it's not like they're putting out junk. So think about it this way: it'd be one thing if they were just putting out one thing after another. Was just a re you know if they took the same pedal and made this one red and then this one blue and you know I mean they really seem like they each pedal they come out with is tr- different from another pedal they make. So they're just making a huge palette. Um, what I think about that is in the old strategy of music stores that everything went through a music store, I think those kind of strategies will kill the music stores. How does a normal music store, even a guitar center, carry 68 different electro Harmonix pedals in a, in a case? It's going to be almost impossible. But as more of the internet direct-to-consumer market approaches it's easier because they can, you know, they can, they, they house that stuff at their warehouse and it ships out. So not that they have that set up. Um, but they, you know, they're another controversial company. They're done with, the, uh, uh, Amazon twos, by the way. Um, they, they won't sell on Amazon and they don't allow their retailers to sell on Amazon anymore. So, um, not quite sure why I read, I started reading the article and then I was had to do something else. So, okay. Um, Okay, Kendall uh, likes water, says if I adjust my truss rod, which I'm afraid oh sorry, Kendall. It just it's jumping and I'm trying not to let me go back. I really apologize. Here you go. It says if I adjust my truss rod, which I'm afraid to since it's making a cracking noise when when the will ne- will the, the next snap would it cost a fortune to fix it? Okay, so I gotta be careful with what I say because I don't wanna I don't wanna confuse you because um, this is important, but I want to tell you things. So you're going to b- take very close attention to what I'm saying, Kendall. Okay. Your truss rod cannot snap your neck. It's just impossible. It doesn't exert enough force and it doesn't move in a way that can crack a neck. You can strip your truss rod out. That's generally what happens. Truss rods can do one of two things. They can strip out at the top or they can crack. Then the, the rod itself can break. And Uh, that's actually the worst if that happens because then you have to delaminate your fretboard and put a new truss rod in. If the top strips out, you can sometimes uh, remove those, back those out and put a new one in. Um, And that happens. It depends on this type of guitar. So the important part of what I'm trying to tell you is, is that don't worry about the neck. But what I tell everybody is, if you are concerned about this... Take it to your local shop, your repair guy, but ask to watch and not watch, you know, tell them what you're up to. I want to see you turn the trust rod. I find that if you've never done it before, you know, you know, kind of feel it out. But if it makes you feel concerned or there's an issue, I I would have somebody do it, but watch them. Once you see somebody, how they do it, how they, it's a really easy finesse thing. It's, you know, most people who do it kind of chuckle at people who have issues with it, forgets the first step is the hardest. So... Uh, and in the cracking and stuff is easy. It's, don't worry about that. that there's, there's, that's not the neck snapping or anything. That's just the physical metal biting, or sometimes just the glue in there, and everything's kind of shifting. It sounds like a pirate ship cracking and creaking, but it's not really the end of the world. So uh, I, I would not, uh, I would not mess with it if you're not sure about it. But like I said, if you want to, but also make sure you have the right Allen key in there. That is the most important thing. That's what everybody does that's wrong. They strip them out. So make sure you're using the exact uh, correct Allen key. And if you think you can do it with just watching some videos, maybe do that. But otherwise, take it to a local shop. And then if it doesn't need a full setup, just tell them. Ask them how much to just turn the truss rod for me and let you let you watch. I've had, I've done all that kind of stuff in the past. If you were local here, I would do it for you. So it's not a big deal. Uh, hey, Phil, what are the exact specs of your copper strat? All uh, right, I'd like to... I'd like to know what is the neck profile, woods, materials, pickups, uh, electronics, uh, and hardware, et cetera. Sure. Um, That's cream, fresh cream. My uh, copper strat, which is behind me is a Fender custom shop strat. And um, I had, I think 26 of them made, maybe more. Uh, It was a lot and different colors and stuff for the shop. They actually have the shop's name on them and stuff. And so it's a 12 inch radius fretboard. Uh, which is... I could have done compound, but I did 12-inch radios. The neck is a a cross... It's like a soft U instead of a C. Um, It's kind of almost like the Jeff Beck neck, but a little thinner. So that's why I said it's a very... That's why when I mentioned, I think last week, that it's really my personal guitar... That's why. It's a very unique neck. It's something that I developed as we were making custom shop guitars with Fender. Each one I would make tweaks. And then when it got to the last batch, I really had refined it. Uh, the bridge is uh, the modern two-point bridge with the, the block uh, saddles and a push-in whammy bar. So you don't have to worry about you know uh, turning it forever. It has a solid alder body. It is Now it has two thorn- thornbuckers in there. Originally it came with uh, some Abigail, Abigail Ybarra uh single coils which i took out and i eventually sold uh they were okay they were good pickups but i, I just decided that this is what i want to do has spursal locking keys it is a quarter sawn neck and it is uh uh like a spalted maple. not spalted maple don't listen to me it's a burl uh, maple neck so other than that it's just the neck shape is unique uh, I, I, after that it's just a regular strat and then of course the color is uh, unique not anymore, Fender's done a bunch since but there was no that color before that color <laughs> So, uh, in a production strat uh, Brent says, hey Phil, earlier this year you sold some pure SS2's on reverb, would you do that again? Probably not uh, Just uh, we haven't been doing any kind of stuff like that on reverb um, maybe we should, I think we have I think we still have a 60 S2s. We have a lot. We have a lot of them. Uh, I don't know what we'll eventually do with them. The every week I have the intention to do something and then you know my my week gets kind of moved in a direction. I'm sure everybody can relate, you know. You have to put out fires and do stuff all the time. Okay, so. Oh cool. Lawrence is answering a couple questions for me on the tone stack. Awesome. Thank you, Lawrence. You're the man. <laughs> Okay. What is your favorite low volume amp right now? Oh, um, it's either, you know, it's usually the Princeton, but right now I'm really big on this, um, the Supro amp, which is the 110. I forget the name of it. It's horrible. I have the Saturn, which is the big brother of it. And that's the smaller one. So it's everything the same as the Saturn. It just has a 110 in it. And I really like it. It's really, it sounds huge. In fact, if you notice in the room, there's only two amps now. And it's because that amp is my late-at-night play amp, and then that's the amp I'm playing when I'm doing everything else. Okay, uh, any thoughts on the 2017 Roadhouse Deluxe Strats? Uh, that's from Tyler. Yeah, I like these. Um, I like the new Roadhouse Strats uh, and the Deluxe uh, Made Mexico Strats as much, if not more, than the Pro Series stuff. They're killer. Compound radius. I mean, fantastic stuff. oh yeah uh, Atomic Rock says hey Phil have you seen the all white Supreme X Fender Strat better than that did you see when they released that it was it was it was crazy they got so much bad feedback for that guitar but it's all it's a yeah it's an all white Strat white it's like a white fretboard white headstock Uh, and it's like a uh, from some clothing company right I'm I'm lame. I don't know anything about cool clothing. I wear Know Your Gear T-shirts, which maybe makes that cool. Maybe I'm cool because I do that. So, uh, oh, okay. Kara uh, Kara Higgs, uh, Higgins says, "How about a vid on prepping and packaging amps for shipping and sales?" Uh, yeah. Um, somebody sent a message about that about doing guitars too. That might have been you as well. And um, when when I didn't read that email, but when somebody was telling me about it i was like yeah we'll have to figure out how to do that so i think so i think it's a good idea um there's probably not a whole lot of videos out there i'll have to check take a look um mike Allen says phil what do you think of the uh about the exotic pedals the ac and the rc booster i think f- i think f- fantastic pedals when i came back from nashville i bought one um i bought the orange one is that the rc booster i love it so it's fantastic Okay. All right. Oh, in the blues. Hey, Shane, what's up? (laughs) He's saying hi to Terry Bear. Hey, Terry Bear and Shane in the blues. I just finished a bunch of in the blues videos last night. You've been pumping out a ton. I'm going to say mate because you say mate. Uh, You've been pumping out a ton. It's it's, It's hard keeping up, but I've been watching them. They're fantastic. Okay, what's the best harmony pedal for guitar out there? Ah, oh, come on, man! It's the quintessence. <laughs> it's this pedal right here, because you could get a cool tone print with it. Now, uh, honest to goodness, I could tell you, uh, I don't, I don't really know. Uh, I, I've used the Boss one. A lot of people really like that one. Uh, I'm sure, you know, there's a ton of pedals out there. I really don't use a Harmony pedal very much. It's weird that I did a tone print with a Harmony pedal. I probably have never used a Harmony pedal other than just check one out. Uh, so I, I so like I said, so my tone print kind of, but I've been using the Harmony pedal more. So I, I, to be honest with you, I'm the quintessence mostly cause that's most I've ever used a Harmony pedal and I'm only using it because after I played with my tone print for a while, I, I started messing with other features that has and it, it seems really cool, um, so there you go, and it's so and you know TC makes great stuff. So I would recommend TC Our Boss. I'm sure there's some some really good uh, there's suggestions out there as well. How do oh how do people do tips during the live broadcast? Uh, MBs I I don't know how they do it, but don't don't worry about it. Although you know it's nice when you guys you know tip the stuff, but that's why we have the sponsors now. So. So the sponsors do it through Patreon. They sponsor the channel. Uh, You know, these guys right here, I'll just show you the picture so you get the idea. These people sponsor the channel uh, through Patreon, and that's cool because, you know, it gets me motivated to do them every Friday. I know uh, sometimes we're missing them, and it's because it's a little hard to put them in my schedule during the week, Uh, but with the sponsors, I'm kind of... I'm kind of make sure it's happened. So... Okay, I am seeing some more cool questions here. Uh, Eric Furman, any guitars you wish you had? I'm, I'm honestly, I'm done. <laughs> you know, uh, every guitar now is just a cool, you know, cause cool guitar to get. But like that Framus guitar, that wasn't like a dream guitar to get. I mean, it is, but I mean, I wasn't thinking about it for twenty years. Uh, a lot of the guitars I've collected, I've been wanting, you know, for for a long time, um, and and now i've really settled into what i like i really like strats um i really like the fir- uh, the uh, the framis uh, framis i i like my prs's i i have a les paul um in the collection i mean that's really really cool um but uh you know what kills for me is um uh, where's it at right there you know that schecter guitar is as good as anything i have so it's really tough because you realize at some point there's uh the guitars are, are cool to collect because guitars, you understand, I've, I've said this a lot. Guitars are, I collect guitars just like I collect pedals and stuff. And those co- collecting is fun. It's fun to do. And by collecting and trading and selling, I can get other stuff. That's how it works. So I don't have infinite deep pockets by any means uh, at all. I, I mostly what you see is because I've, you know, I've been collecting and I, when I see opportunities, I take them, and sometimes I buy a piece of gear because I know it's a good, good, good deal. And then I sit on it for a while, and then when I see something I want, I sell it off or trade it. So that's what you do when you collect. And sometimes a piece of gear is, and a lot of times the stuff I really, really love when I collect, like my gems and other stuff, they're in cases in the other room. Uh, okay, so uh, we tune to C. Okay, cool. <laughs> what what happened to the fender the twin and the twin amp probably the last grown-up amps fender made if you ever wonder where the dual rectifier sounded came from yeah they did the twin uh th- that stuff it was 100 pounds it was 100 watts those things were they sounded fantastic did you see the last incarnation of it had a a, a digital bias control on the back you could bias the amp down and up it on that amp um that market died off that's what happened it's just really hard to take big amps to, to small gigs, and that's really what, what it is. You know, um, you hear it all the time. I I uh, I said this comment, and I like said I don't hide anything from anybody. But I said this comment the other day, so it'll probably get out there. Somebody was talking to me about something about local bands and bands and and amps and what you know the industry. and Now it's all small amps and this. And I said, well, because I'm going to tell you this to be honest. If if people think mom and pop stores are are dying off, and you know, and that's what they talk about. Well, then the gigging musicians, they died off 10, 15 years ago. And in, in retrospect, I don't mean they're dying off. I'm just saying if that's the the uh, r- correlation, the truth is, is that the the gigging musicians have changed. They just they changed change with the times and the time says use smaller amps, use more appropriate uh, stage volume. Uh, and that's what they do, at least where I live. Everybody's going to have a different attitude. But when I talk to a lot of people, they say the same thing when you go to other states, uh, it's the same thing. When I was talking to the people at GitCon, the people that are in Europe, they were saying the same thing, that really smaller amps kind of win the day when it comes to to gigging musicians. It's a little lighter on the back, lighter on the pocketbook. Uh, it makes it a little easier. So there you go. And the sales definitely back that up. Uh, if you go into, you can go and you can Google it. If you look at amp sales, you'll see big amp sales are very small now in the overall uh, view of it. And, and a lot of people think it's because there's a lot of bedroom players. And there's a lot of that too. Bedroom players buy a big chunk of it. Hobbyists are by far bigger than professional musicians in volume. Uh, I think that's true. That's like professional athletes. There's more professional... Uh, uh, I mean, there's more uh, spectators of professional athletes than professional athletes. Uh, so that's always going to be the case. Uh. Guitar Samurai. Is this really the Guitar Samurai? It says Guitar Samurai 1. So if it's really Guitar Samurai or just somebody cool that has Guitar Samurai's name. It says, do you think the uh, pvhp 2s are a good buy? And will they be collectible? Uh, yes to both, because I think it's slowly getting out there. I, I don't know if you, people know this. You know, those HP2s, those are the old Wolfgangs. When Eddie left, this is from the Peavy guys. They said this, so if it's wrong, it's because they were saying this, you know, under their breath at the NAMM show. They were saying these are all the old parts that have been sitting in a warehouse, and they waited for the the patent to expire. once the patent expired, they had all these parts. They pulled them out and made all these guitars. So all those guitars apparently are made from those old Wolfgangs. So, um that's kind of cool and that will give it collectability because collectability will always be about exclusivity in other words the less of it a perfect example i was just talking about this the other day i bought that reclaimed prs and and now they're worth double what i paid for it which is crazy because now i love that guitar but now i'm like tempted to get rid of it because you know i don't know but i probably won't but you understand the idea you know let's see Tom Rock, Phil, can you get SSS tones, so single coil strat tones, out of an HSS strat? Absolutely. You can coil split the, the first. Uh, uh, I think you get better tones because generally speaking, uh, when you coil split a humbucker, you're getting a lower output pickup, and I think it sounds a little sweeter. So I, I'm definitely for that all, all day long, and I think you can definitely get those tones for sure. One, two, three, three, three. Said, worst guitar ever. Um, You know, worst guitar ever. uh, I could be cheesy and be like, the guitar that no one plays, you know. But worst guitar ever. Uh, For me, it's the Esteban guitars. They are the worst guitars ever. For a while, we had a no Esteban guitar policy in the shop. And then I got too many sad people. You know, people who... Just it it gets emotional. You know, people bought those guitars for their loved one. You know, grandma bought it off of a QVC. And now it won't tune. And the teacher's telling her she's got to take it to a shop. And they would bring me this Esteban guitar. And it would probably take me three hours to make the thing playable. And, you know, you're charging 50 bucks. You're like, oh, I can't can't make that work. Um, So we would tell them we wouldn't work on them. And then, you know, over time, just too many sad kids' faces. So you started doing them. So they're, they're definitely definitely bad um let's see let's see every oh okay and the blues is telling lawrence every other weekend he plays live have done it uh since 2002 yeah you know what and shane does play a lot live and i think that's cool gives him some knowledge that's one of the things cool players people who play for a living they definitely have a different uh perspective of gear I don't know if I... Uh, Shane, maybe this is an idea for you. You can do it in Australia, too. You know, I, my, my complaint about rig... Everybody who knows this channel really well knows that I'm a rig rundown freak. I love premier Guitar. But my big complaint about them is they only do famous people. Um, they should do... Like in the blues, you should do rig rundowns of what people do in basic bar... In the bar. When you're in the bar, do a rig rundown of your buddy's gear. Because... I think it's cool when you see somebody performing in front of people and doing it well with a boss pedal, a, a PV amp, and a Mexican strat. And because because people sometimes confuse, you know, what they see and what we talk about in in practical ways. In practical ways, you know, there's a there's you only need so much to be successful. It's not a lot to be successful as a musician, especially in today's age. You can get very affordable, good stuff. But, and I, and I understand that and I use that principle a lot, but then, you know, collecting is a different thing. Collecting is just about something to do with your time to keep your sanity. <laughs> so it's just something to do. You got to do something. So, uh, okay. So thing stuff says, but I want to be the next big rock star. And you're saying that's highly unlikely. You know, no, not anymore. Are you kidding? You know, what was funny was, uh, no, I think it's easier to be a rock star now. You just can't be a mega rock star. I think that's harder. But I think people are, you know, I think it's in in the new world, you're going to see um, a lot of people become successful to some degree, but maybe not ultra successful. You know, maybe not a household name. So definitely, definitely get out there and do it. For sure. You got nothing else. the same thing. You got nothing else to do. Do it. Okay. Let's see if there's a couple cool ones before we go. Framus question. Any chance you would become an importer of Framus guitar? That's Scott. No, but I'm trying to talk to those guys to figure out, you know, they have no... They have U.S. distribution, but they have no... I feel bad. I have the review for the Framus all done. And I feel bad putting it out because I want you guys to see it, but I also feel weird showing everybody a guitar they can't get in the United States. You would have to you have to order it from um, uh, from Toman, and I don't even know how that works because you have to import it in, and there's all the CITES rules and stuff. So I don't even know if they're gonna do it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Framus is Fra- Framus Framus if they're German. Framus Framus. Framus uh, was really cool to to do all this, but like I said, there was a lot of stuff missing in that connection that would be beneficial to them, uh, which is great. That's that tells you they used their heart a little bit. You know, they went with what they wanted to do, but you know, I want to help them too. I want to reciprocate. <laughs> you know what I mean? I want, and because uh, you'll see in the review, I'm going to talk about the fact that you know, even though this guitar is crazy expensive, they're not all crazy. Well, they're not. They're all expensive, but they're not all crazy expensive. So, um, and they're supposed to have an import line in January. So we'll see. <laughs> Jeff C. says, I should be working right now. Okay, Jeff. You know, at least you're being honest with yourself. You can always listen to it in the background work. <laughs> um, Dana, hey, Dad, what's up? Right, uh, some of the best players and recording guys out there were at GitCon, like Leo and Pete. Yeah, did you guys see Leo's video today with Phil X? Oh, that Phil X solo is so amazing. They, uh, I've become a little fanboy of Phil X's playing. I always like Phil's playing, but watching it, being next to it, interacting with it to some degree, that guy's got chops. I mean, Pete Thorne's amazing, and Tyler Wynn, and, and, um, and uh, I mean, I, I feel bad if I leave anybody out. There were so many great players there. But for some reason, you know, Phil X, you know, I think it's because Phil X said something to me that just sparked uh, something into me. He said he specifically plays pentatonics all the time now because people tell him that pentatonics are boring and old and you can't use them anymore and so he says he just goes out of his way to find great ways to play pentatonics and um and you know what and when you watch his playing it is it's exciting and it's great playing and yeah he's basically playing in the box he's playing in pentatonics so um So it says, uh, okay, here's a good one. RLTA04 says, why so many YouTube shirt sellers pushing Acacia Guitars? I don't understand what the shirt sellers part. Um, Maybe you should clarify. But I think what you're saying is why so many YouTubers pushing Acacia Guitars or shirts of Acacia Guitars. I'm not really familiar with it. Uh, So, well, I noticed there's a couple YouTubers pushing Acacia Guitars, but that's because... You're going to see that. I mean, you know, big brands don't interact with YouTubers for the most part. So, okay, smaller builders want to interact with YouTube. They, they know there's a community. They know there's... This is not... This is, there's no... This is... Let me put it this way. You know, my channel is a, is a mid-sized channel is how I look at it, right? Well, I'm, I'm a small mid-sized channel uh, in growth. And the, the, this today today, I hit 23 million views. And what that implies is basically since the first month I hit a million views, I've been consecutively hitting a million views. So that, you know, when we talk about companies and how, they, you know, sometimes they're interested in, interested in working with us. Some of the companies are the exact opposite. They just want you to push their product all the time. And you're not really interested in doing that. Um, Justin maybe says, hey, Phil. Hey, Justin. Uh, and... Um, where's it at okay go back and so so i think acacia and a couple companies like that have reached out and worked with youtubers and like think of this there's a robert baker acacia guitar it seems, you know, it seems appropriate to me. Especially, and like I said, there's no there's no false disclosure there. Robert Baker's like, I endorse the Keisha guitar. He has his own model. You know what the agenda is there. He's got his own model. I'm, you're sure, he, I'm sure he's compensated in some way for that. And he's let everybody know. And I, I think that's the important part. Because I think what, what I really, really, what I touch on is not that, uh, like kind of what Jose was saying. I don't think company relationships with uh, YouTubers are wrong. I think it's fantastic. What I think is weird is when... Youtubers are—I don't mean that they got like a ten-dollar check or they got paid for doing a video. I mean they're literally contra- they are they are they are on the payroll. I mean there's youtuber channels that are literally on, you know, on the payroll of a company, and you don't really know that. Um, so that's what you want disclosed if that's happening. Uh, and I'm not accusing it. I'm just saying that's what you don't want to have. <laughs> when it's like twenty-three million. Yeah, it was today. Twenty-three million views. That it's um, it's crazy. Um, Terry Bear, I got a. Okay. Got a question. Okay. When it comes to a replacement neck for a guitar, is it best to buy, say, a Fender produced neck versus a cheap or more expensive OEM style neck for a guitar like a strap? Um, well, the only advantage to buying the Fender neck now is that they sell them again, is that they'll have a serial number and it'll be Fender branded and it'll be a Fender neck. It's a legitimate Fender neck. Um, but most legitimate companies like I've had great way, uh, great uh, experiences with Warmoth. Mighty Might's been pretty good. You know, I, I've never had a problem with it. Um, there's, a, there's a ton of people, a uh, ton of builders out there to make necks. I, uh, what do you call it? Stumac makes some necks? I, I've had no problems. They're all great. So to, ask, to answer your question, is there a better which way to go? Really, it's about that Fender logo. How bad do you want that Fender logo? So hold on a second. Uh, we backtrack says Patreon link question mark I'll, I'll put it now that I said it I'll put in the thing I really don't push the Patreon thing too much I really appreciate the people that support the Patreon and we do some special stuff on there at least we try to and uh, and it's a good way to grow the channel so you know uh, you know because I don't want to get into it too much Patreon is how I've been growing the channel. I take all the money from Patreon, and I put it in the channel. And it literally is why it, it does the way it does. It, 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 it helps me do stuff. The Like I said, before, I think I said it last week, the podcasts that are now out, the fact that this video will be a podcast in a day, is funded by the Patreon and stuff. Uh, so, uh, Sean Blue says, We need a schedule for the live Phil, Pixie, TK, Shane, and Ed, all in one place, easy to find uh, thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm... I, I'm trying to schedule, like next week's is already scheduled out. It'll be next Friday, same time, same bat time, same bat channel. So trying to schedule out the live shows. And, uh, yeah, it would be nice if we had a more central source of it. Okay, um, I can't say the name. I want to say Mara Seer. Hey, Phil, got a question for you and wondering what your opinion is. What is your favorite tone wood, and how big are the differences in your opinion? So the tone wood, right? You know, I don't really care. I I guess I'll go on the record and say this. I I think there's differences in tonewood, but I don't care. Which is different than most people's opinion of either there isn't or there is. It's just something I don't really... It's something that I find if it exists, it's it's not a huge part of the guitar's makeup. But I don't ever say anything's officially a thing. And not because I don't want to get into it or or, or, or be delving it. It's just because I change my mind all the time. Today's video, I did the battery thing. I was just curious. They had them. I did it. I heard a difference. Whether it's real or not, it's irrelevant. Somebody's like, it's placebo. Well, it's a placebo. It happened to me. I can't stop that from happening. But I did, as an educated person, I did my best to find out for myself out of the curiosity of it. I'm just curious by nature. I just want to, you know, what else am I going to do? Watch TV, so I do. <laughs> I, I mess with a battery for four hours because it's either that or watch reruns of Law and Order. So, and if and if somebody believes in Tone Wood, well, then they should. And if somebody doesn't, they shouldn't. So, and the reason and the only thing that's important about that is if your personality is that you're for me or against me on this debate, you should go suck it and leave because I'm, I I don't enjoy that at all. That's the thing I really don't enjoy. Music is not a a competitive nature event it's just you know everybody has a different theory and and i've seen everybody get to the same same point with different theories uh ed dana tell why fender has stopped selling next oh they did they said they were gonna so uh so that would make sense so ed's saying that they stopped selling next well so you know the last official communication i had with fender about parts was they were going to stop selling the next um they said they weren't selling well (laughs) and that's because they didn't offer a whole lot the The problem is the same with the bodies; they weren't selling well. They said they weren't selling well, and so they backed off. But then, so you know, when they told me they were stopped selling them, it, it felt like it went on for another year after that. So, so if they stopped selling them, it's because they weren't selling well. So now you have to go back to aftermarket, anyways. Or Stratosphere, highly recommend. If you're gonna get fender fin- parts, Stratosphere is fantastic. I buy a ton of stuff from Stratosphere. I. How about this as a when I was a Fender dealer, we would buy stuff from Stratosphere. You get stuff from Stratosphere sometimes better than you could get it from Fender. Uh, let's see. Question. Uh, your Gretsch Streamliner is a hardtail. Do you not like Bigsby tailpieces on your guitars? If so, why? It's a hardtail because my other Gretsch is a, is a tremolo. I have a, a Gretsch uh, uh, anniversary, limited edition anniversary uh that has a a, and i have a a a blue one that has a bigsby so my two other gretches have Bigsby. i have one of each i have the streamliner i have Electromatic, and i have the japanese pro series so um and 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 i wanted one without the 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 bigsby let's say phil thoughts on the 2018 les paul classic i haven't heard much all i've been reading is all this stuff about gibson seems like everybody hates gibson which is funny because I don't think that's real. I think it's all crap that people hype up on the internet because uh, I went on Reverb because I was curious. You can always tell if something's real because it's the money. Follow the money, right? I went on Reverb uh, last week when everybody said, Gibson's dying. I go, okay, they're dying. Let's take a look. So I went on used uh, Reverb used, and there was a, about 1,500 used Les Paul standards, all fetching, the same amount they were getting. Because I was thinking, well, maybe if they're dying, maybe it's a good time to pick up a Les Paul standard for 800 bucks. No such thing. And there was 1,500 used ones. That sounds like a lot, but technically, even though Reverb's a lot smaller in eBay, the used market for Les Pauls is going to be the stores, Craigslist, Reverb, and, uh, and eBay. If Reverb has about 1,500 used Les Pauls, that sounds like a lot, but that's not even a month's supply. I mean, Gibson makes more than that in a month. So it's not a whole lot of back inventory of used product. So when people talk about the used products going to kill the new product, that's not a huge amount of inventory just to satisfy the the market unless the market keeps dropping, but I don't think it's really dropping. I think I think people who don't like Gibson love the fact that Gibson's failing. And people who like Gibson are just getting pissy about it. I have no opinions either way cuz like I said, it's it's to me Gibson as a company's never been that exciting as a company anyways. Their product has been what I've been excited about, and I've said it for years. I, I like Gibson product, not because Gibson, because artists and people that play Gibson, I like their music and their sound. Let's see. Uh, and I know we're kind of going over a little bit, but I'll go a few minutes over. Hey, Phil, hope all is great. Gibson is fine. Their marketing and new stuff needs improvement. Well, that's Tone Talk. Oh, yeah. yeah hey, Tone Talk. Um, uh, That's Mark Kazansky. Hey. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, they definitely need marketing improvement. They should be doing some damage control right now, but they're not. I don't know why. Uh, what their what their plan is, but maybe they're waiting it out to see how long this lasts. It's 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 easy to get views. I didn't do a video on the Gibson in the factory because I I saw like ten videos in like an hour, and I was like, ah, oh, I, I don't want. To. And it was it was I knew it was going to just bring negative people. When I did the uh, carbon closing, I was. I, Dude, I was actually so sad. I don't know if you could tell. I was just started crying in that video. Um, it really hit me pretty hard. I felt bad for them closing. Uh, I feel like Carvin was a good company. And, and you know, it, it just happens. It, it, and carbon closing meant it closed. You know, I mean, I understand the Keisel guys could buy it. and Anybody could buy the brand, but it looks like that close. Gibson, if they close, it's just a change of management. Gibson will just change hands. Somebody will buy it. Uh, Jared Briggs. Hey, Phil, are you... And TK, that's the Tone King, going to do more collab videos. I enjoyed the couple of vids you guys did together at the Guitar Center in Sam Ash. Yeah, um, TK, the Tone King came to town. And he said, I'm in town. You want to have lunch? And I said, yeah, let's hit some music stores. So we did that and we did some videos and they're on the the Tone King's channel. I enjoyed them very much. We had a blast. That was just his phone. We took his phone. We had no intent to do videos, but we thought maybe we should capture some stuff and and put it out there for everybody. Uh, And yeah, I would love to do more collaboration videos. I'm hoping at the NAM there's going to be some more collaboration videos. Uh, When I reached out to you guys and asked you about whether or not you thought I should go to the NAM, 90% of you guys said no. So that I'm still going to go, but I'm going to change what i'm going to do there since you guys don't seem really interested in and in, you know just walking the booths maybe i could do something else that's fun you know um rep guy to 2020 says i feel bad for the workers in memphis oh yeah because i closed the factory yeah i mean yeah, right It hits home anytime you see people lose jobs that's real stuff i mean that's real stuff I've I've unfortunately been at companies when they have done layoffs and stuff, and it's horrible and closed. Um, uh, Hero Glop says, "Will Supro sell low price amps, kind of like Chapman six, uh, Champion 600s?" I don't know. I think it would be smart just to put them in. I mean, amps are easy because there pretty much no amps are made in the USA. They're all got some kind of components from overseas, so I think it's easy for an amp company to open up the price points to to different levels. Um, it gets a little trickier for I think American companies, you know that that when they bring imports in, they change the the way that the impression of the of the guitars look. At least to me. Okay, let's see if we got one last one. I'll do two because I got Showman and Showman Blues. Showman Blues. Showman Blues says, Have you talked about Joe yet? <laughs> I so I feel sorry for george and his new double special ltd ed a oh, thousand only just released and signed guess guess who uh so okay so when he said joe he's talking about uh i, I had it here watch ready i put this on instagram uh, uh joe uh bonamassa had some stuff to say about pedals so you'll probably pedals will crash and everything will end <laughs> just kidding uh so yeah joe bonamassa basically said uh some stuff about pedals uh, it's hard to get the gist of what that that conversation was. I read the article um, and you know, you know when people get interviewed all the time, I'm sure they're going to say crazy things, uh odd things because you don't know what his mindset is and i don't know how you know what he so if you guys don't know what he said you'd have to look it up basically he he said that you know people who use pedals are lazy and uh you know it's there's not fun for the audience if you're staring at the floor all the time i mean basically what he said none of it was wrong or entirely right it was just what he said but my guess is and this is just a guess my guess is he was probably sick of being asked the same questions and it probably prompted him to go a certain direction it's very very or he could just really hate pedals now i don't know. <laughs> um I know this, pedal collecting is by far the cheapest thing of guitars, amps, and pedals. If you're going to collect amps, guitars or pedals, pedals are the most realistic. Joe Bonamassa buys a new vintage guitar every week, an amp every week, you know, so I mean I understand pedals probably aren't exciting for him anymore, I don't know, so... Let's see. Uh, Bellin said, Did you say he had 80 pure ss No, not 80. There, there's a lot, though. There's dozens and dozens of them. Yeah. Yeah. Showman says, Oh, yeah, watching. Uh, yeah. If you guys don't know, I did a video the other night. I was on Tone King's channel. It was me and Pixie and Tone King. And it was, I laughed so hard, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> so it was great. Uh, oh, uh,. I'm gonna say Lugie flux Luigi flux <laughs> hey Phil if there was one thing you could do different about GitCon, what would you be um you know I would I would have I would have uh probably done more gear reviews I don't, I don't know it's hard you know with hindsight I I maybe would have played more on stage too so I don't know um it was such a blast. You know what it is? It was like such a surreal perfect thing. My my biggest sad thing is it's never gonna happen again. <laughs> I mean not GitCon, but just that moment. Um, Sean P says, please summarize the Epiphone LP neck shapes impossible to tell from specs which guitars have which shape at least four different necks on gc wall oh absolutely well if you guys watched all my videos you've known over time uh, i'll talk about guitars i bought online but every time you see me talking about les pauls including the two i bought i bought two les pauls on my channel and videos that you've seen both times i was in a store buying them man you you gotta touch them their their necks are all over the place um they're they uh, think of this. I have a 2005 Les Paul, and I love the neck. And I was trying necks and trying necks, and I couldn't find out. So I did some research and found out that in 2005, for part of the year, the Les Paul Standard came in a C-shaped neck, and that's what I have. So it's a different shaped neck than what they normally put out. It's not a 50s or a 60s. It's not a slim taper. It's something else. So Gibson and Epiphone love to throw out different neck shapes like crazy, and I think that's part of what people consider as inconsistent about their 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 their, their, their brand. So. Um, Unfortunately, I would love to summarize the different neck shapes uh, for the Les Paul, but it's not a shape like a V versus a U versus a C in traditional sense. It's really just different dimensions. They have even the 50s necks. I felt two or three different 50s necks. And that's always going to be the case with anybody because hand sanding always changes the neck a little bit when they finish it up. Paul Reed Smith is is considered very consistent, but even them, their necks can be off by how much the hand sander took off the neck at the end. Um, But... Yeah, it's crazy. So with Epiphones and Les Pauls, and our Epiphones and Gibsons, you're always going to have to put hands-on product to to figure it out. So sorry, Sean P. I hope that helps. though. at least that gives you let you know you're not you're not crazy out there. That you're experiencing what everybody else is experiencing. So um, there you go. And then uh, it says maybe Paul Smith could give back, give back, and coach Gibson and building quality guitars. Those guys will never work together. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Reed Smith and Gibson, uh, will never work together. Gibson suing Paul Reed Smith pretty much since the fact that Paul Reed Smith and Gibson will never be fans. Our friends uh, is my guess. That's my, my guess. And I feel pretty confident. Uh, um, Oh, okay. See, Phil Smith said, well, it's, it's another week of missing the." I told you guys every time, especially Phil, I, I appreciate all your comments, Phil. It's Phil Smith. Um, just uh, you gotta you gotta repost the question. I promise, if there's a Mesa question, I'll answer it. Like I said, I try to get to any questions I can. Uh, I can't say the name. Kleevik. Live 54 says, have you seen how many pedals Joe's got on his board? Well, the last picture I saw of Joe's, uh, he had two. He had the Wah and the Overrated Special. So, who knows? But for a while, he had a ton of pedals, and he kept backing off and backing off. But think about this. He's got a bunch of amps behind him. So, I mean, you know, I don't know. That's what I like about this. Everybody can have an opinion, and then you just form your own out of that. Okay, and then I said that was the last question, so we'll probably call it. Uh, and let me do the let me do the sponsors thing one more time, since you guys are hanging with me. Just one more time, I just want to thank Dave Madison, Justin Maybe, Michael Shy, Bradulus. John Jex and Lawrence Petros of LPD pedals uh, for sponsoring this show and uh, all the future shows. And we're going to keep them uh, going. And I got Phil Smith's questions. So let me get to that. Uh, we'll do them every Fridays. I was alternating between Fridays and Saturdays. I probably won't be doing that as much because we'll take the Saturdays now and we're going to use just, we'll we'll put these on podcast, but then we'll do in podcast only QAs and stuff and all kinds of other stuff. Just to keep it fine. Let's keep it fun. Okay. So Phil Smith said, use Mesa Mark five. 90 watt versus mesa oh okay versus five 25 watt well i i had both and i picked the the 25 i like the 25 i still have it it's in the other room i like it a lot um so i don't i don't um i don't uh uh use the mesa mark five too much in videos but i use it in the other room a lot i liked it more for me i didn't need a big amp um you know, I don't need 100 watts. I know it's switchable and stuff. It was just... It was really cool amp, but I like the Mark 525. It's just what I like. But... And in use, they're great. Uh, Bree570 said, when are you going to visit with GNL? You know, I talked about going to GNL a bunch of times, and I kept pushing it off and pushing it off, and I think my... I think at this point, I just don't know. And now that NAMM's coming up, maybe that's the best time to go when I'm in California for that. I don't know. Um... Okay, that's what we're going to call it. You guys had, this is a great question QA time. I had a great time. I hope you guys had a great time as well. I'm just reading some last comments. What am I hiding in the, Bugs Bunny Brothers says, what am I hiding in the other room? Well, you guys, if you guys are, uh, if you've been following the show since I started, remember the walls were white? That's not this room. The room that is, so if you go back far enough in my videos, there's a different wall behind me of amps and guitar. That's the other room. That's my, my main room. This is my office. So I switched to this room because it just made more sense to, to, to do this. The, this room is much smaller and the, uh, uh, the audio is great. Cause it's all insulated and I insulated everything. I can't insulate my, my bedroom. It's too weird. <laughs> just sounds because in here it's sonically dead. You can't hear any echo in here. The Chris K Phil only reads my joke comments no worries <laughs> I wish I could figure out how to get this to prompt the prompt better the way it moves is it's not so cool oh and is Larry on here too? I saw somebody saying hi to Larry Mitchell you guys Larry Mitchell is an amazing guitar player I've been watching you know what I just watched he did a clinic the other night did it? That was fantastic. Okay, last question. Then we'll call it. Ready? Jesse says, DeMargio equivalent to the Thornbucker. I personally, owning all the, the both pickups, think it's the Eric Johnson uh, DiMarzio. Sound a lot like the Thornbuckers. Really low output, smooth, creamy. They they had that kind of vibe. They're probably different magnets. I've never looked at the specs, so I have no idea if they're spec the same uh, or the outputs or are identical. But to my ear, they sound almost identical. So... Very, very reminiscent. When I got the Thornbuckers, that's the first thing I thought. They sounded like my my uh my uh, uh, Eric Johnson. RNA music rhymes like I like my Mesa's. Yeah, I, I like my Mesa too. I like my Mark V. I think it's one of my favorite amps. It's it's does everything really well. So all right. We're gonna call it. As always, guys. I wanna thank you guys for spending the afternoon with me on a Friday. We'll see you guys next Friday. And uh, until next time. Uh, thank you for your time and to uh, know your gear.